Happy Sabbath, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, I hope we have a good, I mean, this probably isn't going to be a traditional, real sermony sermon, even though it might be a little bit. Um, going to need a little bit of help and discussion, but why don't we go ahead and say a prayer to get started. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come together on Sabbath morning, uh, that we can spend time together as your church and as your family. I do ask that you be with us as we open your word, as we share together, and we seek to learn from you. May we leave with something that has moved us from where we started to closer to you. In your name we pray, amen. So, I'm taking a little bit of a gamble here. I'm sure we're all sick and tired of hearing about COVID, and it's not my intention to spend a long time talking about it. Uh, but I do, I am, as I said, going to bring that topic a little bit into our church family discussion. So I don't need to say these things, so I'll say them very quickly. Uh, I think we all know that COVID has been disruptive in our world, and whether you may attribute that to a virus or a response to the virus or something else, uh, certainly there's a reason we all groan a little bit even when we hear that word. Right, that's been a very um, disruptive phenomenon that's happened in our world. Um, so just to review a couple of things that you probably know, uh, according to the World Health Organization, there have been 226 million COVID infections um, worldwide uh, that have resulted in 4.7 million deaths worldwide. Uh, it's what we call a pandemic. It's in every continent of the world, uh, this virus and the illness it causes. And it currently ranks as the eighth worst pandemic in history. So certainly not the worst. Um, 4.7 million is not the worst like the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages. Uh, it was estimated more like 50 to 100 million people who died. At that time, it was a third to half of the population of the world. So it was certainly a much bigger percentage of the world than COVID has been in recent times. But in raw numbers, um, COVID has still taken a lot of lives. Uh, we know, we all know somebody who has been affected by COVID, either sick or who has lost their lives. Um, we've had friends who have preached uh, at this church who have lost their lives. Um, and then if we were to try and quantify this in financial terms, we all know, like we wouldn't disagree that there have been financial repercussions to what the world has done in response to this virus, which is probably the most unique piece of it um, in our modern times. But uh, one conservative estimate is that there is about $3.9 trillion in lost productivity due to COVID in 2020. Uh, so that doesn't even include this year, that was last year. So, you know, and uh, I know that everyone um, has their own thoughts on, on these things. We've been thinking and talking about it for a long time. How has COVID affected our relationships? Uh, probably in a lot of ways. Just to review a few, early in the pandemic, churches were closed. I think we all remember that. And then we got to meet outside. Um, I think we remember that. We did camp meeting for about three months. <laughs> the kids really liked that, by the way. Um, so schools were closed. We probably remember that. Uh, I know at work we had a big time where our uh, employees struggled because their kids were at home and they had to figure out how to take care of their kids at home 
and work. It was very challenging. We lost several employees because schools were closed. Uh, clinics, obviously our clinic was affected. We didn't, for in March of 2020 and April of 2020, we saw very few people in the clinic. We weren't sure this was new. We weren't sure what to do with it and how to grapple with this new reality and do the right thing being in healthcare. Uh, travel almost shut down. Uh, I think we all know airlines took a major hit and still haven't entirely recovered from COVID. Uh, many other um, travel uh, changes happened. Hospitals were overflowing. Now I know some people may um, debate as to how bad the hospital inflow was, but um, working in healthcare, uh, I think Alicia and I can attest that this did happen. This happened in our own county. Um, I know from, not myself, I don't work in the emergency room or in the hospital, but I know that there were patients who died in the emergency room because there was no room in the hospital to admit them. Of course, that happened mostly in the surges. Thankfully, we're not in a situation like that. That did happen and, and happened recently in Florida, uh, even again. How about politics? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say much about this because I don't think I need to. Because uh, I think it goes without saying, COVID has been the most politicized pandemic ever. Um, and so, you know, no matter where we find our individual political leanings, we can all agree. Um, there have been a lot of politics involved with COVID, haven't there? Um, mandates. So this was something that's probably, well, certainly new for me um, because I you know, haven't been through a uh, pandemic before, probably not, most of us haven't. The HIV pandemic is still ongoing, but has different, you know, it's technically a pandemic, but has certainly different um, implications for society as opposed to not, as it's not an airborne transmissible disease. Um, but these mandates, okay, I think we all remember um, and, and still try to follow and keep up with, you know, the, the most recent mandates and recommendations for things like social distancing, masking, um, curfews in some places. We, I don't know, I don't remember if San Bernardino this really happened where you couldn't be out. I think it did, but it was kind of late. Most of us were already at home, right? <laughs> it was only like 10 till six in the morning or something. But yeah, there was a time when, yeah, I do remember now, because I, I wondered if I'd be okay going to work. Um, curfews where they, you know, you could be stopped for driving out on the streets. Um, and then coming down a little bit uh, closer to our time, vaccinations and how to employ that. And I think we all know um, California and the federal government um, have definitely had a lot to say about vaccinations and what role they should play in our everyday life, in our workplace. And again, we all, you know, kind of find ourselves on the spectrum of how we feel about those things. Uh, then how has it affected our relationships a little closer? What about our families? Um, I don't know, has anybody had a, a, a difference of agreement within their family on any of these issues? I've, hear, I've heard about this over and over. I remember when we were interviewing for residents last year, um, we had one resident who I really liked. Um, I mean, she was just very well-spoken, had a very positive energy going into family medicine, which we always like because I'm in family medicine. Um, and we asked her to you know, explain a time she'd had a struggle or a challenge and how did she negotiate that? Well, it was, it was November. Um, she, she was obviously a fourth year medical student. She had a sister who was not in the medical field and she had her mom. Her dad had already passed away um, because he had, a, he had a type of brain cancer. 
um, that her father had died from. Her mom just so happened to have the same type of brain cancer. And they did not expect for their mom to live more than another year. So they were anticipating this would be their last Thanksgiving with mom. The, the debate in the family was, are we going to wear masks at Thanksgiving or not? That was the big challenge in this family. Um, that's just one example of a challenging situation that was challenging before <clears throat> there were any discussions in the family about what to do with some of these um, suggestions or at times requirements. I think every family has had discussions, right, about what are we gonna do? How are we going to approach these things? Um, you know, we've had some, uh, you know, maybe the government has weighed in or our job has weighed in or, or we have our own uh, individual feelings. How do we approach this? So I think um, families have felt this in, inside of them. And then, of course, families have been affected by loss as well. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the news, the, there was a local family in Yukaipa, um, had four children, mom was pregnant with the fifth, um, and an ICU nurse, that's right. Um, unfortunately contracted COVID in her third trimester. Um, baby was born by C-section, I believe, early because of her illness, she was so sick. Um, unfortunately, mom did not survive. Uh, the baby did survive, uh, and unfortunately, the baby was not named because mom did not survive to name the baby. They were waiting for dad to name the baby. Um, unfortunately, dad also died from COVID. And so now there's a family of orphans. Um, I'll say this situation is very common uh, for us to see in Malawi. We saw orphan children a lot because the HIV pandemic really targeted the middle age groups. Um, fortunately, that has improved, but still remains. There is kind of a missing generation in Africa. Um, I think we all know other stories and instances where families and those relationships have been affected by losing a member of that family. So I wanted to just take a minute um, before kind of going on. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about just uh, COVID. The rest will be from the Bible. <laughs> um, I just want to know, maybe take a couple minutes, what is... If you were to say, what is the most significant way that COVID has affected your life in the last year and a half that we've been kind of living with this? Would anybody like to kind of share that or, or not? I know that um, these are personal things. Um, uh, Denny? COVID brought you to church. Amen. Thank you, Denny. You're helping me with the second half of my sermon. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you for sharing that. Craig. taking God's promises seriously, right? Anybody else? Yeah, Alicia? Um, it also made me aware of um, not just going in and out of the house and without thinking all the blessings that we receive from God. Every day that he's been protecting 
Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Linda. Well, since the COVID and everyone was wearing masks, I remember reading about the lungs and Ellen G. White's writing, The Spirit of Prophecy, and she said we need to breathe deeply with our lungs and breathe in fresh air. But the thing is, wearing the mask, you, you know, is everyone wears them at night in their car when they're sleeping, and they're breathing back the impurities. Uh, you can read it in Ellen Weiss, even though it's not talking about masks. So I had my great druthers about that. So that was a significant concern for you? Extremely, yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else want to share? Okay, so I think, um, you know, whether we take any more time to share it or not, uh, we can all agree that COVID has affected us. Um, so, so I think I want to spend the rest of our time um, talking about, as God's church, as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventists, today in 2021, um, how should we respond to these things? And, and I think you probably saw my title, maybe more specifically, what does, what does the Bible, what does Jesus, and particularly, what does the cross have to teach us about how we should respond and live in the times of COVID? Um, because those are the times we're in. And so I, I have a lot of Bible verses. I'm going to probably ask for a little bit of help. I'm sure we're not going to get through all of them. But just a few thoughts that, that I hope maybe will help us as we navigate together this, you know, life with COVID. Um, I want to remind us all um, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, that, that Jesus says his church is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Uh, I think we all know and have felt the distracting power of COVID, haven't we? Um, our attention has turned to it. Our conversations have turned to it. Our media, you, you know, you can't read a headline without seeing something about it. And today you can't even hear a sermon without hearing something about it. Um, but so, so there's, there's, you know, it's not, I would say it's not a little thing, whether it's been overblown or not, is a matter of, you know, discussion that people could have. But the truth is, it is a huge uh, possible distraction for the Christian, isn't it? Um, and I really thought about just kind of talking about this because this isn't really typically the, the vein I would turn to in, in kind of, you know, speaking, except that I had heard some things from other uh, friends who were Adventists and just kind of other discussions going on really in Adventism. And it just got me to think, how, how really should we approach this? You know, what does the Bible say to us as a church, um, as a Seventh-day Adventist living in the 21st century? And so I just wanted to start off with a reminder. Jesus called us to be salt and light, that we are supposed to, as his church, dwell in this world uh, with a radiant presence. And, and I think for us to do that, we have to be crystal clear that our attention can't be diverted to distractions. There have always been distractions. Like in the time of Jesus, the Romans were a big distraction. <laughs> um, most of Jesus' disciples were very distracted by the Romans. And just a gentle reminder, Romans were the government of the day. They were the ruling power. And I think if we were going to make comparisons, we'd probably say they were a ruling power who was not as just uh, in, in several ways, or certainly not as democratic, 
uh, as the government that we find ourselves living under today. Um, but despite that, despite the, the ruling authorities, despite rules that, you know, we wouldn't like, like if a soldier came up to us and said, hey, you have to carry my burden <laughs> for a mile, uh, we probably wouldn't like that. Uh, we probably wouldn't offer to go a second mile either, but that was kind of what Jesus told his followers to do. So, so these distractions. So COVID could be a distraction. Um, Jesus certainly does not want it to be. He says our eyes should be single and full of light. What should we be focused on? How is it that we become salt and light in this world? I think there's only one way. Um, we have to be focused on Jesus. And we can't let these, these distractions turn our eyes away from him. Because if, no matter what the distraction is, if it turns our eyes away from Jesus, um, if we spend more time talking about whether we should get vaccinated or not get vaccinated or wear a mask or not wear a mask, then we talk about Jesus, it doesn't really matter what conclusion we come to. <laughs> We've come to the wrong conclusion. Okay. We missed our calling as a church to follow him. Um, because a lot of these things are conversations that we should have, but they should never be the major conversation of our lives um, because we are first and foremost Christians and following him is our first duty. Okay, what else um, did Jesus say that might help us uh, in the time of COVID? I'm just going to read some of these fairly quickly. These are just reminders. You probably already have thought of these things, but just as a gentle reminder. Uh, Matthew 6, 25. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Uh, and of course, you know, Jesus goes on to talk about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and the way that God takes care of those things. And so that we really don't have to worry about our life. I think he would absolutely include COVID in that list. Um, so maybe we can all agree together as his church, we don't have to worry about COVID. We don't have to be afraid of COVID. Um, we, we can focus on the work that he has given us to, and you know, even the end of this passage, he ends it with, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So what is the kingdom of God um, doing in our lives? Where is the kingdom of God working when we go through our days? How does the kingdom of God interface with a generation that is very afraid, that worries a lot, about COVID or worries a lot about what the government is doing because of COVID. How do we interface with that without worrying about it? Well, we seek first his kingdom and, and we first and foremost internalize his kingdom in our lives so that we show that, that these earthly feelings, um, kind of these natural human selfish feelings of fear uh, and anger really don't have a hold on our lives. The, that God has freed us from those things so that we don't have to worry and we can focus on his kingdom. Now I have to kind of jump over. Let's see, maybe I should have somebody help read one of these verses. Craig, you've got your Bible open there. Would you mind reading Hebrews 2, 14 and 15? This is kind of under the, the subheading of not worrying. And then Linda, maybe after that, would you mind reading Matthew sixteen twenty five?
Okay, Craig, I think we're ready for Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Amen. So one of my newer favorite verses, <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, kind of speaking of the work of Jesus and, and what he, you know, did for us in coming to this earth, uh, he broke the power of the devil. He broke the power of death and he came to set free those who all their lives had been captive by the fear of death. So, I mean, I just think this is such good news that we have as a church that the world does not have. We, we don't have to be afraid of death. So I think when COVID scares people, when the disease itself scares people, it scares them about losing their life. Um, it's, a, it's a tragic consequence um, for many people of this disease. And I would just like to say that as the church and as Christians, Jesus has destroyed that power. That power does not need to have a hold on us. For a Christian whose life is given to God, you know, as we are salt and light seeking his kingdom first, what happens to our lives is up to God. We have given ourselves to him. And so we're on his mission when our work is done. We, you know, he, he may let us rest. Um, and if our work isn't done, then we have more work to do and he's going to take care of us. <laughs> Um, sometimes I get lazy and think, you know, resting would be a little easier. But no, you know, he has work for us. We're here. It means God has work for us to do. And so this struggle for life, this struggle for protecting ourselves, our rights, um, our health and our life, uh, it's something that we really don't have to worry about uh, because God has set us free from the fear of death. Through the cross, through Jesus' life and his death, he has shown us that, that the devil is defeated that eternal life is a promise that he has given to us. And so we don't have to live our lives out of fear. And I think that is the greatest blessing that we as Christians can share in this world today. We can live in this world, in this, you know, COVID or post-COVID world, however you want to look at it, uh, without fear of death. Okay, now Linda, um, Matthew 16, 25. Amen. Thank you. And, and I think this is a famous quote from Jesus. I, I think it's found in every gospel um, where he, you know, uh, Hebrews says Jesus destroyed the one who had the, the, the power of the fear of death and he set people free from that fear of death. Jesus went a step further and said, you know, you actually have to, <laughs> you actually have to die. You actually have to give up your life to save it. Uh, of course, speaking in a spiritual sense, but I think the two go together. When we've given up our lives and we've surrendered our own wills and we've given that to God and given him our lives uh, for his using, we don't have to be afraid of what we're going to lose. We've already given it all away and it's all in his hands. And, and I think this is, again, a, a key principle in the Christian's life that the world just doesn't understand. Uh, this makes no worldly sense. If you went to somebody and tried to convince them 
uh, sort of having the example of Jesus in the teaching of the Bible, it would be hard for you to be able to convince them that this is how they should live their life. Um, I have a lot more text on this line, but I think I'm going to kind of skip down to, um, well, let me just let me just read through them briefly. Um, how did Jesus relate to the government of his time? I think this is something for us to think about. The, the government factors into this conversation because I think this is uh, maybe a sore point for a lot of people. <laughs> how the government of the United States or the governing authorities of the world have react, reacted to COVID. Um, how did Jesus respond? Yes, he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Um, we all bear God's inscription, much like that coin that bore Caesar's inscription. Um, when Jesus was unjustly treated by the ruling authorities of his time, how did he respond to that? When we think about the end of his life, Isaiah 53 verse 7 says he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth and we can read each gospel's account of how Jesus was oppressed um, and and they are graphic how he was slapped and and how he was ultimately executed in an unjust in an unjust trial um, but as a lamb he was quiet he didn't open his mouth. He didn't complain. Um, I think there's an example here for us. Now, I think exactly how we apply this in our own lives, um, I think there is a time and a place. And fortunately, we're all blessed to live in a government where we're allowed to open our mouths and <laughs> share our thoughts. Um, but I also don't want to lose the example of Jesus because when we are opening our mouths, when we are when we are giving feedback, um, I would agree that the, the example of Jesus was an example of respect. And so when we engage in that conversation, I hope our tone is always one of respect. Because it's a little bit hard to, to get away from this idea that, that we should act respectfully um, in these situations towards the government. Let me read a few other verses here uh, quickly. Jesus said in John 18:36, my kingdom is not of this world. That's why he didn't even have to engage on a political landscape. Um, he did work for the betterment of the world. You could argue that the human race may have gone extinct if Jesus didn't come and live when he did. If you look at the average lifespan from creation till the time of Jesus, it was a steady decline. Uh, the average lifespan at the time of Jesus was probably only 25 or 30 years, um, and it was going down. Um, it's really, uh, and again, there's different ways to look at this, but Jesus literally may have saved the human race physically on this earth because of what he instituted and what he taught in, in the light and the knowledge that he brought when he came to this world. However, his focus was the kingdom of heaven, and it was eternity and not the politics of this world. Hebrews 11, uh, 13 through 16, this is a little um, comment about the great men of faith. I think we all know those great men of faith in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, uh, the Faithful's Hall of Fame. Um, basically, it says, you know, they were strangers and they were aliens in this world. They were looking for a better country. Um, they did not call this world home. And then in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, uh, Paul says when he was talking to the Corinthians that I resolved to know nothing among you except Christ 
and him crucified. He was focused on what his mission was supposed to be. And his message was about Jesus. And he didn't get caught up in politics. Okay, now, just before we finish, I do want to read a few verses about, um, and these are mostly from Paul. Uh, I wonder if maybe I could get a few volunteers. Um, who would like? Who would be willing to read a verse? Dan, would you mind reading 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2? I got five verses here, so 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. How about in the crown's row? Do we have a volunteer? <laughs> All right. Um, okay, uh, Jedediah, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. He's, he's got a pretty good voice. Mm. <clears throat> okay, Shalina will read it. And then Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Clyde, thank you. Uh, and then Romans 13, 1 through 3. All right, Bonnie, thank you. Okay, and I'll just say the, the general, yeah, um, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Kirsten. Um, I'll just say the general heading here is, how does the Bible say we should relate to government? Uh, um, because government is a, a big part of our COVID conversation today. Um, so let's just read these verses. Um, Dan, when you're ready, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I think that's good. Thank you, Dan. Okay, so we should we should pray for our our leaders, right? Both inside and outside of the church. I think Paul went uh, out of his way to make sure everyone knew this wasn't just applying to the church, um, the the rulers of the kingdoms of the world. He said, pray for them, and then be peaceful, right? Peaceful and quiet lives. Uh, again, it just reminds me of what Alicia said as respectful. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Now this is, uh, just a little background here. This is Jeremiah writing a letter to the exiles in Babylon. So they're in Babylon, they're in a foreign country, like a pagan government. <laughs> All right, what did he say there? So I hadn't really actually heard this until, I don't know, a year ago, but it, was, it just kind of struck me as to God's, God's counsel to these exiles. Like, they were in a, a pagan country, but live there. Pray for that city. Thank you, Nana, for reading that. Um, live at peace. Grow, flourish, blossom where you're planted. I, I think it's a very beautiful passage. Okay, then Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Was that Clyde? I think these are familiar words.
Okay, thank you, Clyde. Uh, I think we've all heard that, but you know, this is specifically speaking to a situation where uh, we are in controversy. Like we have an enemy. <laughs> How are we supposed to treat that person? Uh, we're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to bless them. We're supposed to seek the good, uh, their good, even in the middle of those challenging situations where they are persecuting us. Thank you for reading that, Clyde. And then Romans 13, 1 through 3. I had forgotten how clear this one was. I read it this morning. Let's see. Uh, Bonnie? Okay. Oh, I think Bonnie said she's going to read it, Kirsten. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. So very straight words, right? Um, very clear words about how uh, we should respond to authorities. Now, does that mean that we are always supposed to do what the government says? No. I don't think so. I think as Adventists, we could not be good Adventists and say that, could we? <laughs> we shouldn't. And of course, uh, Acts 5.29 says, Peter said, we have to obey God rather than men. So we know that when an authority, an earthly authority, would tell us to do something that was something that God told us not to do. Obviously, we are Christians first, and I hope that point has been established here, that we have to obey God rather than men. When, whenever, you, you know, we kind of, in America, have this feeling like the government's going to do what's right. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of good that we think that. There are countries that would never think that, right? That even that thought wouldn't be in their mind. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, the, the, the rulers of this world, the governments of this world, don't have a good track record of pushing the kingdom of heaven forward and working on God's agenda. They're, they're working on man's agenda. But even though that's the case, so whenever they tell us to do something that is against what we are convicted is something that God has told us to do, we draw the line, obviously. But we still can relate with love and respect in our conversation. Um, our tone, I mean, I, I felt like when I read this, the tone that Paul was painting was a very consistent tone. And I'll say, it's a tone that's very rarely heard in, in our world today. You flip on the evening news, um, or you, know, you kind of log into a political anything, uh, this tone is all but gone. This, this respectful, quiet, peaceful, I'm going to just do my thing, that's not really the society that we live in today. Okay, so, so thank you. Thank you all for, for sharing those. Um, I, I think my last one was the relationship with God. How has COVID affected our relationship with God? Um, our time is kind of winding down. I loved hearing <laughs> what you all said to begin. Um, Danine, COVID brought you back to church, brought us back to God's promises, got us, got us back to the reality that God is the one who's in control of not only our mortal life, but our eternal life. He has promised to be faithful. It's not only promised to be faithful, he has shown himself to be faithful 
in our lives. And that is, that is how we're, we're, I believe we as Christians should find ourselves. Like COVID should be an experience that builds our faith. This should not be something that shatter, shatters us. And again, it is, you know, it's the pandemic that we're in the middle of. Um, and, and where do we feel, you know, is this world getting better? Is, are, we, are we, you know, heading in a good direction? Probably not, right? Um, I think we all, what's that, Denny? <laughs> right. So, so it, you know, right. Um, I think we all see in, in the way the world is going, in, in the fear and the anxiety in society, that, that we can't go on even as a civilization like this uh, for, for long, certainly not forever, because it's going to be self-destructive for, for the way that we are interacting with each other. In the middle of that backdrop, where do we find ourselves as his church? Um, he has called us to be salt and light, showing his goodness, his love, com- com- um, comporting ourselves respectfully in our interactions, but standing for what is true, because that's the only way that we will be light in this generation. Um, as I think about kind of the, the advice we've read um, from Jesus, from the cross, from Paul, um, it made me think about um, what we would all consider maybe a more climactic end of time where the government would have more interposition into our lives. And I was reading a bit of uh, kind of the counsel that Ellen White gave um, for, for what the church should do when there actually is a Sunday law. I don't know if anybody has ever uh, looked into this. Um, I've heard, I'd read some a while back, but I read more recently. It's quite interesting because, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we get this, this uh, idea that we're going to be kind of the Adventist militia <laughs> in the hills. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are certainly, you know, we might be in the hills, um, but I don't think uh, that our attitude uh, will have changed from everything that we just talked about in the way we respond to others, in the way we relate to the government, in the way we shine forth the light of God through our, our works. And I, I just found this passage um, if it's okay with you, it's a little bit long, but I found it interesting, so I just wanted to share it. This is in um, the ninth volume of the Testimonies, but it's actually a letter that Ellen White wrote to a brother who asked, How should, what should we do when the Sunday law is enacted? So that was his question. Um, I'm sorry? Oh, so it's uh, page 232 and 233. So, and you know, again, forgive me, but I think we're family, so I'm just going to share this. I enjoyed it. Ellen White said, The light given me by the Lord at a time when we were expecting just such a crisis as you seem to be approaching was that when the people were moved by a power from beneath to enforce Sunday observance, Seventh-day Adventists were to show their wisdom by refraining from their ordinary work on that day, devoting it to missionary effort. To defy the Sunday laws will but strengthen in their persecution, the religious zealots who are seeking to enforce them. Give them no occasion to call you lawbreakers. If they are left to rein up men who fear neither God nor man, the reining up will soon lose its novelty for them, and they will see that it is not consistent nor convenient for them to be strict in regard to the observance of Sunday. Keep right on with your missionary work, with your Bibles in your hands, and the enemy will see that he has worsted his own cause. 
So on when there's a Sunday observance in force, take your Bible. <laughs> Go do Bible studies. Um, one does not receive the mark of the beast because he shows that he realizes the wisdom of keeping the peace by refraining from work that gives offense, doing at the same time a work of the highest importance. When we devote Sunday to missionary work, the whip will be taken out of the hands of the arbitrary zealots who would be well pleased to humiliate Seventh-day Adventists. When they see that we employ ourselves on Sunday in visiting the people and opening the scriptures to them, they will know that it is useless for them to try to hinder our work by making Sunday laws. Sunday can be used for carrying forward various lines of work that will accomplish much for the Lord. On this day, open air meetings and cottage meetings can be held. House to house work can be done. Those who write can devote this day to writing their articles. Whenever it is possible, let religious services be held on Sunday. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Whenever it is possible, let religious services be held on Sunday. Make these meetings intensely interesting. Sing genuine revival hymns and speak with power and assurance of the Savior's love. Speak on temperance and on true religious experience. You will thus learn much about how to work and will reach many souls. And so I think the picture is consistent. I mean, I, I hear the same thing from the Bible, from the life of Jesus, uh, even the writings of Ellen White, even as we envision, um, you know, the end of this world and what may happen. We are to be focused on him and his work um, seven days a week. And when the time comes when work on Sunday may be, um, there may be laws against working on Sunday, well, then it's going to be a good time to have church services and Bible studies <laughs> to work on Sunday. Uh, I think it's important for us to realize that we are called to follow him. What has he said in relation to this? He said, keep the Sabbath holy. Amen. You know, keep the Sabbath holy. And, and if anyone tells us or forces us to not do that, that would be breaking his law in a matter of conscience. But it's not that the, if the government tells us to uh, not work on Sunday, well, we can find a lot of things to do on Sunday that will not break that law. Let's think about that. Let's, let's be focused on God's kingdom, what he has said, uh, his work in this world, and not get distracted by all the things going on around us. Why don't we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you that uh, nothing has changed about you, uh, whether um, in the time of COVID or not, whether in the time of other tumultuous, uh, earthly chaos. We thank you that you remain the same. Your promises are faithful. We ask that you would make us as your church, the, the light of this world and salt, and that we would have something to give to the world that is, that is dying in anxiety and longing for the hope that only you can bring. Please give us strength to do this. May we be focused on Jesus, and we look forward to your soon return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.